There is a story about a man who attended a Little League baseball game. Anybody ever attend a Little League baseball game? All right, plenty of you. You know how these things run. Uh, it could be a complete massacre, or it could be a, just a great game. You never know what you're going to get when you show up there. This man uh, was interested in what was happening. It was only the first period of the game, or the first inning of the game, and uh, Half the children were out in the field and half of them were in the dugout. It was just in between. They had just changed sides. And uh, unfortunately, the score was already 16 to nothing. The home team was losing by a landslide. So they sat in the dugout uh, with a couple of them uh, with their faces down, but most of them could care less for the most part. And the man walked up to the dug out of the losing team and he asked one little boy if he was discouraged by the score. Had he lost hope already? You know, not even having gotten up to bat yet. And the little boy looked at him puzzled and said, why would I be discouraged? We haven't even gotten up to bat yet. There's always hope, he said. There's always hope. Hope is here. That's what we're celebrating today, and we've celebrated for the past two Sundays. If you'll remember the, the Sunday before Back to Church Sunday, uh, Pastor Nancy preached a message on evangelism and the necessity for us, those who know this truth that hope is here, to get people to the place where they can experience hope for themselves. And so she preached that message about the gospel, and we just heard that again about how Jesus was, uh, uh, was glorified by God even then and was going to be glorified again. That whole message that people need to hear is still a necessity. And then last week we celebrated Back to Church Sunday. We were all together for one service at 1030, and then we all had hot dogs, and that wasn't the best of it, though. The best thing was us being together and celebrating the fact uh, that hope is here. And so we come to the third of four weeks of talking about hope. This week to talk about hope for the weary. That's not a message that is wasted on many of us. For we all know at times we can become very weary. But the boy said it himself, listen, there's always hope and that hope does not disappoint. I think we need to get a hold of this because at some point we will be, most of us will be on our deathbeds and what we'll be thinking about is holding out hope for the truth that we've known at least through partial, uh, uh, partial lives, if not all of our lives. The fact that when we leave this earth, there is an eternity to be shared in heaven with God and with all the believers uh, it's just going to be a wonderful time, but it may be a little difficult uh, getting to that point. And so we need to cling to hope. So why not, I thought, why not practice hope before we get to that point? To live into the hope that is ours because uh, of what Christ has done. There's always hope. You know what? The church has always felt that there's hope the church has always said we have each other and we have Christ. And so if that's the case, if the church throughout history has had the audacity to have hope because of the victory of the resurrected Jesus Christ, then we can too 
individually. It's up to us here and now to live into what it means to have hope in all circumstances. Not some, in all of them. All of those scriptures may be uh, uh, leaving out the John scripture, although that's fairly common. I think you've heard all of these scriptures, have you not? Probably multiple times throughout your, uh, for your growing up and through your learning and through your own discipleship and through the myriad of times it's been shared on a Sunday morning. You've especially heard Matthew 11 numerous times. Jesus is using an analogy here of oxen and a yoke to explain something very important. And we should make sure we understand it. We should understand what Jesus was saying, not how it applies just yet, what Jesus was saying so that we understand how we apply it to our lives. It's what I tell our Bible study all the time. It's written in a certain, in a certain time, in a certain place, to a certain group of people for a certain reason. And once we get that down, we can take that truth and plug it into our circumstances. So for us, we have to understand oxen farming. How many of you are farmers? How many of you are oxen farmers? Like do your farming by oxen, anyone? Yeah, my oxen is in the parking lot like yours is. It's got four wheels on it and it goes all by itself, right? That's oxen farming. But what about this? What, is, what do we have to know about this? Well, let's learn a little bit about oxen farming. Here's a picture of a double yoke. That's what goes on the back of an oxen, or oxen, I should say, um, when they're ready to plow. Notice that there are two places. This is a double yoke. If it were a single yoke, there would only be... What? <laughs> the choir just laughed, like a nervous laugh. Now, what's two minus one? <laughs> one. Uh, there's only one. But there's usually uh, what Jesus is talking about here is a double yoke. There is a lead ox in one, usually the left-hand side, and a follow ox in the other side. There's, by the way, if you really want to get a sense, go on, go on, go to the internet, look up uh, oxen farming or oxen um, yokes, and you'll get a wonderful pictures of how people care for these animals and how they love to do the job that they do because they're cared so well for them. So, but really, it would be very, very helpful uh, for you to get a picture, and not even a picture, but a video of watching what these, uh, what these, animals, what these animals do. Um, let's see. How much does it weigh? Well, we know that it's used to, full, to pull farm equipment, uh, but the yoke is made of wood, as you just saw. It must, can't be too heavy. You don't want to burden the ox too much. Six to nine kilograms. Uh, again, the pair is an experienced ox and, a, and, a, and an ox that uh, needs to learn something, okay? That it needs to be trained. Um, the following ox learns as it goes from the older, more mature ox. This is the picture that Jesus is drawing from when he talks about this taking his yoke upon us. When it comes to Jesus, Jesus implores us to take the yoke with him, that Jesus himself would take the lead. So he's the lead ox, and that we should learn from him how to carry the burdens of this life as Christians. Jesus says, why don't you jump in here with me? I will show you how to pull. Notice he didn't say, here, jump in with me, and I'll take the entire load and carry it with you and all of that sort of thing. He didn't say that because we're still stuck in our situations or circumstances, and we need 
uh, to continue to learn how to uh, persevere through that particular challenge. So a couple points, a few. I have three points for us to carry with us today. The first point is this, we're not supposed to go it alone. Just in case you forgot from back to church Sunday or the week before that, we're not supposed to do this alone. It's never God's intention for us to fight our battles alone. Yes, we do have battles to fight. They don't just go away, but not by ourselves. That's why he gave us the community called the church. We're supposed to bear one another's burdens. How do we do that? Well, we follow Christ's example and shouldering part of the burden as he did. We can do this because Jesus has already showed us how. How many of you have seen The Passion of the Christ? It's a wonderful movie. It's Mel Gibson's film uh, out, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 years now, something like that. It's a wonderful part in the story uh, of Jesus actually carrying his cross out uh, to Golgotha. Um, and it involves somebody else who comes alongside of Jesus. And I bet you really know who, who he is. But uh, as Jesus is coming out of uh, Jerusalem, uh, he, can't bear, he can't bear the Eventually, he can't bear the weight of the patabolum. That's that cross bar that he had to carry out with him to the cross. Okay? He can't do it. So the Roman guards look for someone to help him carry it. Do you remember who that is? Simon of Cyrene, right? Okay. So Simon comes up and they grab him. He's, and the reason why they grabbed him because he was the bigger guy and looked like he could handle things. He was fairly muscular, at least in the picture. That's what makes it all work for me. They grab him and they throw it in. They said, start, you know, you start taking that cross. And he wants to make sure nobody crucifies him. Uh, but then he takes uh, the cross on the other side of the cross with Jesus. And Jesus and he uh, meet eye to eye. It's a very tender, tender moment. Uh, and then you see a picture of Simon of Cyrene grab. Uh, now Jesus does it first. Jesus takes his hand and he puts it on the back of Simon Cyrene so that Simon can help carry him too. And Simon takes his hand and puts it over Jesus' back and his arm. You remember that part? Next time you watch it, when Easter comes rolling around and you want to watch this again, look for that very, very tender moment. But it was a wonderful piece uh, for me to, uh, to remember, thinking about how it is that we should shoulder each other's burdens. Now, of course, there's a difference there. Simon is helping Jesus carry his burden. Um, and you know what? Simon even had, you know, Simon took part in helping us receive salvation through the, the act that Christ has done. Without Simon, Jesus would not have been on the cross. And I would say that in a positive way rather than a negative way. So, just some thoughts about that, of what it means to carry. This is, that's the real meaning of carrying each other's burdens or carrying each other's crosses, as a matter of fact. So this point, the first one, we're not supposed to go it alone, can be summed up by stating this. Hopelessness does not come from working too hard for God. That's not why we get hopeless. We get hopeless because we work alone for God. You hear the difference? Not because we work hard, but because we work alone. Working side by side with Jesus gives us rest in our work and not rest from our work. Jesus didn't come to take it all away, necessarily. He simply came so that we could rest while we were working, if you can follow that. 
That makes all the difference. That's what brings hope. We want to be yoked with Jesus because the load is too heavy for us to carry alone. Flashback to Simon of Cyrene. Point one, we're not supposed to go it alone. Point two, we need some training. Consider being yoked with Christ as part of your training. We did not come into this world ready for all the challenges that we were going to face. We didn't even know they were going to be there. And maybe we're not even ready for them now, for some of us have some pretty heavy, heavy burdens to carry. But as I've already said, an experienced ox is always yoked with the less experienced. This way, the younger ox can learn the ropes from the elder, how to go straight, what the commands of the driver are, how to pull correctly. When we choose to listen to the advice in Matthew, we allow ourselves to be trained by Jesus. It also helps the other scriptures come, uh, come to life to make more sense uh, to us. The ones about worry and anxiety, and I know you've heard those a gazillion times too, right? The ones about not having what we need or not having what we want. Why? Because we're yoked with Christ. Yoking with Christ means not worrying. Jesus takes the lead. He's trying to train us to stay straight, pull correctly. It takes time and a whole lot of energy to train disciples well. Have you noticed that? But we have to do that, right? Think about our children and our youth. Our children and our youth need somebody or somebodies to come alongside of them to help them learn the ropes, to help them figure out what it means to follow, what it means for Jesus to take the lead and for us to follow along and learn from him. It's never wasted energy or time or money or anything else for people to come alongside of others. You know, we have a confirmation class of five, just like we did last, last year. A couple of those people have family people um, who want to be their mentors. Some of them don't have mentors yet. I wonder what you would say if a confirmand came up to you and said, would you be my mentor? Now, I, I know they'd have to have a relationship with you and that sort of thing, but just for the fun of it, think of what it would be like. What would you answer if a young person came to you and said, can you be my mentor? What would you have to offer to that person? A lot. You'd have a lot to offer. I remember uh, my ordination as an elder in the United Methodist Church. It was 2007. I was, it was one of those years that the, uh, that the annual conference was held down in one of the ballrooms down in Philadelphia, or a couple of the ballrooms down in Philadelphia. And at a designated part in the service, I was to come forward, and I was supposed to kneel before uh, the bishop, and the bishop was to take a stole, so I'll script it out, because that's how we do coordination. It was to take a stole, this thing, place it over my neck, and as that was placed on my neck, I would understand that I am now fully ordained as an elder in the United Methodist Church. Here's what she did, though. She took the stole. She placed it over my head. It's a beautiful stole, uh, one I don't get to wear a whole lot. But it's a beautiful stole. And she looked at me, and she said, as she looked at all the, or the uh, ordinance, they, uh, she said, be yoked with Christ forever. I'm sorry, not forever, for life. Be yoked with Christ for life. 
This stole that we sometimes wear, and probably we'll get, we'll probably start wearing them now that we're into the fall, but you'll see that uh, Pastor Nancy and I wear these because they represent something. They're not just a piece of, you know, a funny piece of looking garment or something like that. They represent something uh, very uh, important, and that means, uh, to me, that means that even when stuff gets tough, when it gets hard, uh, I'm reminded that I'm yoked with Christ. So Christ is doing the pulling, and I'm doing the learning at that particular time. Okay? It's a beautiful picture of it, kind of how it goes. And when I'm also reminded that when I really feel like I'd rather flip burgers for a living. <laughs> you didn't laugh at that. That's not good. Um, anyway, uh, that, that occasionally comes every now and then when it just gets too hard. Uh, I'm reminded that I'm to do this for life. I'm yoked with Christ for life. That doesn't mean just me as a pastor. It means all of us, really. We're all yoked with Christ for life. It's not that Jesus is going to stop taking the load or stop pulling as hard as he does in order to get us where we need to go. We're his for life. How many people outside of this church do not know that they have somebody that will pull them through, that will pull for them, their entire lives. Well, I'm pulling along with Jesus and he's in the lead. So here's point three. Stop worrying. <laughs> Easier said than done, I know. But some of you need to hear what I just said about being, having a stole placed on me. We need not worry or be anxious because we are pulling along with Jesus and he is the lead, not us. And as he shows us how to pull through the challenges ahead of us, he will show us how to do that for one another. The yoke Jesus is offering is one of grace and mercy and compassion and forgiveness and love. One yoke causes people to become weary. The other yoke causes people to find peace. He invites us to remove whatever yokes we have, whatever those are around our necks at this time, and to take his yoke upon us because it's easy, it is light, and it will give us rest. We were created by God to live healthy, happy lives. Yes, they're supposed to be happy. I don't mean like giggly happy. I just mean at the end of the day, we're supposed to be able to put our heads on the pillow and say, you know what, Jesus? I'm glad you're yoked with me. I'm glad you're taking the lead. But here's what we do. Even though we say that, Christians are good at this because, I don't know, they, they just are, but we have a box called our life and we fill it up with so much stuff there's no place to go. There's no place to experience rest or relaxation or, or joy or very little, okay, or very little of that. We cram our, our lives full of stuff and then we don't have any place uh, to understand how Jesus is leading us through things. We can't say no. <laughs> we live with harmful drive to achieve. We have lost hope that it will slow down anytime soon. And Jesus offers us such a gift in saying that he's come to give us rest. We don't have to do all of that. And the rest is found in a grace that does not demand that we jump through all the hoops or get everything right. Did you hear that? I'll say it again. It does not demand that we jump through all the hoops we think we need to 
or get everything right. Or get everything right. The rest that Jesus offers is unmerited favor for anyone who comes to him. This grace is best experienced in community, that is, our church. We can learn from Jesus as we learn from one another. When we do church with one another, we lift one another up and we carry one another's burdens. If you are weary today because of circumstances you cannot control or situations that you've gotten yourself into, either one, you are offered hope today. You can have hope. The church wants to offer you hope for a better tomorrow, hope for true purpose, hope for a clean slate, maybe some of you need that, a hope for peace and rest, because hope is found in Jesus, and because Jesus is here, hope is here. So are you weary? Are you burdened with life? Come to Jesus and find rest. You don't have to do this life alone. We're in this together, and that's what brings hope. One final story. As I said, there was a house fire, and a local community was, uh, or a local family was renting that particular home, and they escaped with nothing but the clothes on their back, and word got around the community that this devastating loss had impacted the family in a very negative way, and so a member of a local church wanted to do something about it. So this person created a campaign to help meet the family's need. They organized a car wash to raise money to help cover costs. They collected food gift cards to help feed the family while they were staying in a hotel. They collected clothes for the children. They had something to wear to school. The family was overwhelmed and brought to tears. And they could only say one thing when asked about the generosity of the church. They said this, we had lost hope until the church showed up. What a powerful way to understand how it is that we can come alongside one another and bear one another's burdens for each other. We acknowledge that life is heavy. We live life without margin. We are hard on ourselves. We work hard to keep up with others around us and we get weary. We should not feel bad when we are crushed by our burdens. We should not feel like a failure. When we do, we often shy away from going to God for help, and we avoid being vulnerable to others as well. But Jesus tells us that if we are weary, we should come to him. It's an invitation. In this case, the church came alongside the family. The church yoked itself to this family in desperate need. And what was hopelessness became Here's the good news. When we love one another in this way, we fulfill the most basic law that Jesus required. Love God with all your heart and love who? Others as you love yourself. Love God, love others as you love yourself. 
We love God with our whole heart, and we in turn love our neighbors as ourselves. Jesus said, all of the law of the prophets hung on these two things. And that sounds like hope to me. That's what that is. A hope that no matter where we find ourselves today, Jesus offers rest and peace. And we don't have to go it alone. We don't have to be alone. Jesus offers hope for the weary by reminding us that our value is not found in how well we hold it together when things get tough or how we compare it to the people around us. Our value comes from one thing, from the love that he has for us and the grace that he gives. Sisters and brothers, I don't know if you're struggling today. I don't know if you're weary or broken or distant or whatever it is that's got you down. But the word today is this. Hope is here. Jesus is here. And Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. For there's rest for your souls. May God bless us as we allow Jesus to take the lead. Amen.